You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Karen Butler, Senior Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Karen Butler, a Senior Editor in Informa Markets. Joining me today is Mark Blumenthal. Mark is Founder and Executive Director of the American Botanical Council, Editor-in-Chief of Herbal Gram and Herbal Clip, and Director of the ABC, AHP, NCNPR, Botanical Adulterants Prevention Program, or as we may refer to it, BAP. Mark, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you, Karen. I appreciate the invitation. You bet. Well, we really can't have this conversation without you. Uh, Today, Mark and I are going to be talking about botanical adulteration, which, in case our listeners aren't aware, Mark, ABC, and a handful of other key organizations and people have really led the way in educating the industry about not just the problem of botanical adulteration, but also providing tools and information on how to avoid it. So, Mark, you started holding people accountable for authentic botanicals before the natural products industry as we know it ever even existed. What were some of the first herbs you realized were at issue for adulteration or misbranding? Well, thanks for that question. That's a good one. Uh, I was involved with a small herb company in Austin, Texas, a wholesale herb company back in the 1970s. And one of the areas that I was particularly interested in was ginseng, the various types of American uh, cultivated and wild ginseng, Korean ginseng being imported from Korea and the very beginning of the importation of Chinese ginseng when the Chinese market first started opening up, opening up to the United States in the late 1970s. Uh, at that time, during ginseng's rise in popularity in the health food industry, uh, what happened was some very interesting entrepreneurs in the American Southwest started marketing a so-called wild red American ginseng, which was a plant known as uh, canigre in local Hispanic terms. Uh, or a red dock uh, from the desert southwest. Now, this material uh, is botanically not related to true North American ginseng, Panax kinkafolius, which grows along the, in the, the northeast and uh, Appalachia up into Canada. It's not botanically related to ginseng. It's not chemically related to true ginseng. It's not pharmacologically and uh, actively related to ginseng and how it affects the body. It was not used in any way similar to ginseng. It had no relation to true ginseng whatsoever. It was total fraud. So when I was president of what was called then the Herb Trade Association, which at that time in the late 1970s was the Herb Industry Association uh, that had just been formed to deal with what we would call today the early stages or the nascent herbal industry that has grown so much in the last 40 years. As president of the HTA, I put together a policy statement by by researching this uh, adulterated material and putting that policy statement out to health food store owners throughout the Southwest, uh, going to what was then called the National Nutritional Foods Association, the major trade association for retailers, now called the Natural Products Association or NPA. And through education, we got health food stores to stop carrying this fraudulent ginseng, this fraudulent material marketed and mislabeled as ginseng. That publication that I did in, uh, was, was dated May 1979. So that was literally over 40 years ago 
when I made my first foray into trying to help the people uh, in the herbal industry and the natural food industry through education and scientific information so that they know what they're selling and what they should not be selling. When you realized that ginseng was an issue, what action did you take? Well, because of my interest in ginseng, later on, after I formed the, the American Botanical Council in 1988, in the early 1990s, we started what we called the ginseng evaluation program because I was interested in seeing what is the status of ginseng. Again, uh, I was very interested in this plant, ginseng, still am. Uh, what's the status of ginseng in the American North American marketplace? So we started the ginseng evaluation program by developing uh, a very scientifically valid analytical method for testing in the laboratory various uh, types of products labeled as ginseng. And we tested over several years over 500 products labeled as ginseng. These were teas, capsules, uh, tablets, and extracts labeled as being American, Korean, Chinese, Asian ginseng, and the so-called Siberian ginseng, which is no longer legally allowed to use the name in the United States. Uh, Eleutherococcus centricosis is the Latin name known now as Eleuthero. We tested these ginseng products and found that about 25% of them were somehow mislabeled. Uh, so that was my second attempt to try to deal with educating the marketplace about what's going on in the, uh, with the sale of herbs and the mislabeling of herbal material. Again, with ginseng, but that was a, a major study and probably the largest that's ever been undertaken anywhere in the world so far as we know. Later, in, my, in 2010, uh, due to the urgings of several friends and trusted colleagues in the botanical industry in the United States, uh, we started what is now called the Botanical Adulterants Prevention Program <clears throat> by partnering with two uh, quality control-oriented um, nonprofit organizations, the American Herbal Pharmacopeia and Roy Upton, the founder and director of AHP, and the National Center for Natural Products Research, or NCNPR, which is at the University of Mississippi and is an FDA Food and Drug Administration funded center of excellence for the testing of and development of analytical methods in the laboratory for the testing of botanical materials. So the three of us are the organizations that are the partners for the Botanical Adulterants Prevention Program, or BAP. And we are now, by now, we have been uh, supported or underwritten and or endorsed by over 200 companies, laboratories, trade associations, nonprofit professional organizations, uh, research institutes uh, in many countries. So we, this is now an international global uh, effort to do research and education for anyone in the herb or dietary ingredient industry globally, uh, regulatory people at laboratories, at universities, independent laboratories, anyone can use our material that we're publishing and we have now published over 50 peer-reviewed publications that document and confirm what is being adulterated in the marketplace, how it's being adulterated, and our laboratory guidance documents help evaluate the uh, robustness and the fitness for purpose of various analytical techniques used in the laboratory 
because some of these analysis or methods, analytical methods, are no longer robust enough to actually detect the type of adulteration that's going on today. They may have been published 20 or 30 years ago, some of these analytical methods, and the type of adulteration going on back then is not the same as the type now. So keeping up with and evaluating and assessing the robustness or fitness of purpose of analytical methods used in a laboratory is a paramount and key issue uh, on trying to prevent and or fight adulteration and protect companies from buying adulterated material. And that's our basic purpose, and that's what we've been doing. Yeah, outstanding work, may I add. Um, Thank you. It's, it's no small feat, obviously. So how do you guys prioritize <clears throat> which which botanicals clearly if there's you know an emergency issue but how everything is is at risk out there and everything is changing so do you have a, a procedure for kind of prioritizing which botanicals you're going to update or go through the process on yeah thank you that's a very good question the first uh the first priority is safety uh, if we have any information about adulteration, whether it's suspicious, suspected and or alleged adulteration that may have a safety-related outcome, in other words, it might be injurious uh, to public health, uh, that would be our first priority. The second is uh, prioritization based on the relative popularity of the botanical in the marketplace based on various market surveys including but not limited to the annual herb market report that ABC uh, publishes every year in conjunction with our good friends at the Nutrition Business Journal. Mm -hmm. um, basically, we're very, let me just say as a, an important uh, uh, point here, most of the adulteration that we have confirmed that is occurring in the United States and or in the total global marketplace, because this is a global issue, it's a mar uh, the market is international for these ingredients. Mm -hmm. Most of the adulteration is not directly associated with any safety risk. There's a few uh, that we can discuss, but most of these are not causing toxicity reactions. Uh, that is the very guardedly uh, stated good news. Uh, however, the other issue is about the efficacy of the material, the activity of the material, adulterated material. If an herb is adulterated by adding an undisclosed amount of some cheaper material that uh, does, or ingredient that doesn't have the same benefit or effect, it lowers or reduces or eliminates the potential benefit that the consumer is using that herb for or that the health professional is recommending that herb for because many health professionals recommend herbal supplements as part of their, their therapeutic practice. And adulterated materials by their very nature will invariably offer less benefit or no benefit to the consumer or the patient. That in itself can sometimes be a safety issue when someone is using a product that is not really effective for a potentially more serious condition than something that they're self-medicating for that might be a, uh, a simple condition that might uh, ameliorate anyway, whether they get treated or not. So adulteration does have potential health impact. Absolutely. Um, 
maybe you could talk a little bit about saw palmetto, what's going on there, because I know even the method of adulteration changed, and that could affect people with dietary restrictions, you know, maybe not a safety issue per se, but a moral one. Yeah, well, the, the issue with saw palmetto is very interesting. Here's a Native American medicinal plant from the southeast of the United States, primarily Florida, that we've known has been adulterated with various types of vegetable oils for over the last decade or more. And this is because of the relative price increase of salt palmetto at different times over the last decade or more based on weather conditions that affect the crop output and other factors uh, that affect the availability of the crop, which affects prices. Now, in, in, in December of 2018, a year ago, there was a publication that came out, now several publications, that have shown that not only is saw palmetto adulterated with vegetable oils, but even maybe more dastardly or incredulously, it's adulterated with, at least some of it, is adulterated with material that is derived from animal fat. Animal fats in China are reportedly being rendered, uh, taken from the animal slaughterhouse or whatever and taken to another plant or whatever and broken down into different types of fatty acids. And then those fatty acids are recombined by chemists in the proportions that fit the profile for those fatty acids as documented uh, as a quality control standard by the United States Pharmacopeia monograph on salt palmetto extract or the European pharmacopeial monograph. So you have a situation in which, in China anyway, and I don't mean to gang up on China, but this is where some of this is happening. Uh, they are actually taking animal fats from, I think, uh, cows, sheep, and other mammals, re breaking those fats down and then recombining them in such a way as to intentionally fool some of the analytical methods that are officially recognized as quality control standards for saw palmetto. So what we did with our saw palmetto uh, adulterants bulletin is we issued a revision. So to include this type of adulteration, which was not known when we wrote the initial version of the saw palmetto bulletin several years ago. So this is an indication that the botanical adulterants prevention program is not a static program. We don't just publish publications and that's the end of it. We keep revising these publications as needed to reflect the serious conditions in the marketplace that reputable and responsible companies and ethically run companies need to know about so they can double or triple down in their quality control uh, reg regimen to ensure that they are not buying material that is essentially fraudulent, but looks okay based on what was previously an okay and acceptable testing method, but has now been rendered an ineffective testing method because the adulterators, if that's a word, have yeah. tried to fool the method. We have evidence on a number of cases where the adulterators are specifically targeting laboratory methods and then trying to fool those methods so that companies that don't keep up with these events as we're publishing and reporting on them through, the, through BAP, uh, so that those companies are at risk 
of potentially being victimized by the sale of this fraudulent material, which is especially uh, possible when people buy by price only and don't really take the time and the energy and the effort to use all the available resources to ensure that they're buying authenticated material. Yeah, that fluidity that you have with BAP is going to be an excellent weapon going forward. That's uh, that's quite an incredible story. I don't think we would have believed that years ago, but anything's becoming possible. So how is it you mentioned China, and we're not going to you know gang up on China, but you, you, you also said top palmetto is basically a U.S.-grown ingredient, and yet it's getting over to China, getting adulterated, and then getting sent back to the U.S. for, for our products here? Well, that's one possibility. Uh, we, I don't know of any uh, evidence that it confirms that saw palmetto plants are growing in China, and if they are, that they're actually producing the fruit, which is where uh, the extraction, the oil is com- comes from and where the extraction is made from. So I've known mm-hmm. of previous attempts to grow saw palmetto plants in Central America uh, 10 or 20 years ago by a Florida operator. Uh, they were successful in get, getting the saw palmetto plant to grow, but it never fruited and made the yield of that important medicinal plant part that you need for the, the therapeutic uh, 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 extract or for the therapeutic activity. So I don't know of any, and I don't know anyone who has confirmed that there's any true saw palmetto even growing in China. So whether saw palmetto is being purchased and sent to China and then repurposed with a cheaper material and sent back by diluting it and extending it, that's one potential scenario. The other one is that the stuff that some of the stuff coming in from China being labeled as saw palmetto extract has no saw palmetto in it whatsoever and maybe just a combination of vegetable oils and or free fatty acids derived from animal fats to approximate or try to mimic the profiles that people look at for what palmetto is chemically speaking so I, do, I don't have the answer as to definitively which scenarios or with both scenarios are true hmm. all right well, I appreciate time. your insight yeah. Yeah. so what are, are there other botanicals you can mention um, like you said you started 40 plus years ago we're in 2019 what is kind of in the spotlight now for ingredients people should be aware of are highly adulterated. Okay, well, we, by the way, all this information that I'm talking about based on mm-hmm. these different uh, publications from BAP are freely available on the BAP website, our homepage, which is available on the ABC website at herbalgram.org, herbalgram, H-E-R-B-A-L-G-R-A-M, herbalgram.org. There's a Botanical Adultance Prevention Program homepage on that website, and everything on that uh, subject to subject to uh, registration is free access. So we don't charge a penny for any of this material. It's all free. Just for, just uh, to be clear, because that's part of our uh, mission. That's part of our intention to make things available. Because the more distribution, hopefully, the more impact we'll have. Uh, we've written a lot about ginkgo. Uh, we know that ginkgo extracts are adulterated. What percentage of the market on ginkgo is actually adulterated? I don't know. Different studies have come up with different uh, percentages, some up to possibly 80% of the ginkgo products 
uh, evaluated in some studies have been shown to be adulterated, uh, often mm. with uh, extract uh, from the uh, uh, Chinese sulfora tree, which has some of the same compounds found in ginkgo and are used as an adulterant. And there's ways of chemically determining uh, ways, whether the ginkgo is authentic or not. Uh, bilberry extract. Uh, bilberry is a relatively expensive uh, berry, uh, and it's uh, been, been adulterated with uh, anthocyanins, these rich purple-blue pigments from other less expensive berries, as well as, in some cases, uh, some dyes, some uh, red food dyes and charcoal, and which cannot be detected if people use a simple uh, ultraviolet or UV analytical method, you have to use the more robust HPLC analytical method as determined by the European Pharmacopeia and the USP method. Uh, so again, uh, a number of these products are adulterated uh, using proper analytical methodology and keeping up with developments in analytical methodology is necessary because some of these adulterators are not standing still, they're moving forward in ways to try to trick them, the analytical methods uh, for whatever financial gain they can get. Uh, to be clear, let's define what adulteration is. We're using the term, we really haven't defined it officially. Uh, the way we use the term is the addition or substitution or dilution of a uh, botanical material with undisclosed levels of lower cost and often less active materials or ingredients at the economic gain of the seller to the economic detriment and possible health detriment of the buyer. Perfect, thank that you. Make, yeah, that, that was an sense? oversight not to define that. And, and so disclosure is an interesting a part of this because it's about disclosure. If you don't disclose the addition or the substitution or the dilution with the cheaper material, that is a component of adulteration. The buyer doesn't know what they're getting. The certificate of analysis is not accurate. It's not complete. Or the product label to the consumer is misleading. It gives the consumer the idea that they're buying X, but they're buying Y. Or they're buying X plus Y, and Y is a cheaper, lower-cost material that's not in the label. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, then that's going to go to efficacy, and then we get a black eye because mm -hmm. people are buying things mm -hmm. and saying they didn't work for them. So are there things that FDA or any other industry voice should be doing to help catch or prevent adulteration? Well, let me just say that in May of 2019, we were very honored and fortunate to be invited to give a presentation on the kind of things that we're doing uh, with BAP. Uh, Dr. Stephen Gaffner, who is the chief science officer at ABC and the technical director of BAP, and I were invited to speak at the Food and Drug Administration. I think a total of 175 people at the FDA were either in attendance or listened to it uh, uh, attended uh, online. So that was a, a good opportunity for us to give them information uh, as to where our, where our progress is at this point. FDA is very interested in this issue. Part of the problem with FDA is that, you know, there are like 15,000 men and women that are dedicated public servants, but they have to regulate 25% of all the consumer goods sold in the United States. It's a daunting task with very limited resources when you look at what their, what their mission is. Uh, so they have to look at issues regarding safety as the primary uh, issue. 
Uh, they have to look at, you know, what kinds of issues that are out there, if adulteration or contamination that present a safety problem. That's first. And secondly, they're under a lot of pressure to look at uh, some of these illegal drugs that are being masquerading uh, as, uh, as dietary supplements. Uh, in other words, illegal drugs masquerading as dietary supplement products being sold on the Internet, making all kinds of claims when the claim uh, efficacy may be based on the fact that some undisclosed level of a pharmaceutical drug is being used uh, as the primary ingredient in the so-called vitamin or herbal supplement. That is a major priority for FDA to clean up as well. And that is not what, what we consider to be botanical adulteration. We're dealing with botanicals that are being uh, substituted and or diluted and are not authentic, materials that are not authentic botanical, uh, raw materials, extracts, or essential oils. Uh, the sale of illegal drugs marketed and or masquerading as herbal supplements is not true botanical adulteration from our perspective, but it's a major problem. And that's something that the trade associations and the Food and Drug Administration have all agreed uh, is a high priority for FDA regulatory activity. Well, that's good. We're moving in the right direction with communication and collaboration, it sounds like. Yes. Wonderful. Well, Mark, thank you so much on behalf of Informa Markets and the industry. Keep up the good fight. We are uh, we're very grateful for the work that you and your organizations have done and all the other troopers who are leading the charge and making sure that we have safe, effective products in the marketplace. Well, thank you. I want to thank all my good friends at Informa uh, for the great coverage you give to our program and the great support you give to us uh, in helping make this program go forward. Well, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Karen. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the health and nutrition industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud account. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.